I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot oh. and finds the net. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly, our final one of the season. And the WSL went down to the last day of the season. But Chelsea have done it again, the hardest title win yet, according to Emma Hayes. But they are crowned champions. Chelsea, the winners again. They've been better than all the rest. No one can stop them. They're the champions of the WSL. A 3-0 victory at the Majeski Stadium seals Chelsea their fourth WSL title in a row. But Kelly Chambers, Reading are relegated into the championship. We haven't just got relegated on today's result. We've got relegated because of the season. And um, we're just not in a position right now as a club to compete with everybody else. So Leicester survive and Arsenal confirm the final Champions League spot on goal difference despite defeat to Aston Villa. We'll hear from the Director of Women's Football at the FA, Baroness Sue Campbell, on the WSL's journey to being the best league in the world. It's been a very competitive season and one, you know, we want it to keep getting stronger and stronger in terms of all 12 teams really competing and battling for positions. All that plus news of Paul Koncheski's departure from West Ham and Celtic retain the Women's Scottish Cup. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Carruthers. Hi, I'm Leah Williamson from Arsenal Women and you can follow the WSL on TalkSport 2. Oh, happy Monday, you lovely lot. I'm sorry my voice is a little bit scratchy. Might have something to do with Luton Town being in the Premier League next season. But I promise you, Women's Football Weekly will not be an hour-long dedication to men's football and Luton Town. I, I swear, I won't do it. Molly Hudson, Times Football Writer, is with me. How are you doing, Moll? I'm good, thank you. We were all we were all feeling for you on Saturday. We uh, we left uh, Chelsea, left Reading actually, um, and all, all crowded round our phones watching the penalty shootout, cheering on Luton. So don't say we don't do anything for you. Oh, you do everything for me. I couldn't believe the timing of it clashing with the last day of the WS, WSL season. And I apologise to anyone. You know, normally women's football comes first, but not when it comes to, to the Hatters, I'm afraid, being at Wembley and winning it was just... Even you just saying that, mole just gives me goosebumps. It was absolutely incredible. But you were at the Medeski Stadium and the double was secured after a fourth straight WSL title for Emma Hayes' side. Straightforward win as well over Reading in the end. 3-0 at Finished. Two goals from Sam Kerr, one from Guru Wrighton. But Reading's eight-year stay in the WSL came to an end in front of their home fans with questions over the club's future. Uh, we'll, we're going to focus on Chelsea first, Molly, and hear from their boss, Emma Hayes. She told us it was her toughest title win yet. Our points total is the best and we're deserving champions. However, Man United, Arsenal, Man City have all had tremendous city. Aston Villa, wow, what a season they've had. Everybody has pushed each other. We keep improving the product. And as a result of that, our game's just getting better and better. I mean, she's had so much going on behind the scenes, Molly, hasn't she, this season, Emma Hayes, that actually I I can see why it would be the toughest title yet for her. But they got over the line. Yeah, I think it was quite interesting that, you know, after all the celebrations and the ticker tape had gone down, she came over to talk to us. She, 
she was quite reflective on kind of how much of a team effort this has been, that not one particular player stood out, not one particular staff member stood out. It really was a team effort. And particularly when you look back to that period in October, November, I think it was six games she missed and they won all six. And I think that really is credit to not only everyone in her absence, but it's credit to the setup that she has made there over the years that it's almost, you know, she is this incredible manager that's obviously done so much for the club, but it's almost the biggest credit to her that actually without her, they still got through it. And I think, you know, when you think of other clubs in the division or in the world, I'm not sure how many could go without their manager for that long and it be so seamless. Like even, even down to the little things, the listeners won't realise where um, two of... Emma Hayes' assistants kind of split their jobs. So Denise Reddy did the footballing side and then Paul Green did all of the media with us. You know, we we were speaking to him every three days as, as poor Emma Hayes has to usually. So I think even that, it was just so seamless and you could tell it was really planned out despite the fact that, you know, this is an emergency hysterectomy. It wasn't something that she'd, you know, had the, the joy of planning for weeks. It's actually a record-breaking season for Chelsea as well, isn't it, Molly? Is that right? Yes, the re- victory over Reading was their 19th win of the season, which is the most they've ever got. And 58 points is also the new highest record. Now, obviously, we have to remember it hasn't been that long with the 12-team divisions. So you think back to, you know, say the 2018-19 season and to Jeremy Montemoro with Arsenal, which, you know, was a really dominant season. They only lost twice in the entire campaign. That was when we only had 11 teams in the division. So, of course, naturally that, that mark will keep getting higher, I suppose. But I think it is a real credit to Chelsea that I guess we've sat here and I, I know we've written as well a lot of the lot of the reports. This hasn't it doesn't, hasn't felt like it's been Chelsea's greatest season. They haven't really steamrolled every opponent and it hasn't been easy. And I think that's really reflected in how satisfied Emma Hayes is with this win and to really push the team to new levels when they've had, you know, Frank Kirby sidelined majority of the season, Millie Bright, you know, there's been other injuries in there, Penilla Harder. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think when it, it's a bit strange when you get to an end of season and you see the points accumulation and you go, oh, they really did that. Like when you get caught up in the day-to-day, week to week a bit, you you kind of don't realise that. And I think Emma Hayes had this metaphor about how she she was asked what her motivation was and she said I'm not sure it's motivation I think it's just survival and it has felt like that at times for for us all um but especially for Chelsea this season and I think it's a really mark of that team that they've managed to survive and thrive in that um kind of scenario yeah, I don't feel as if this season in particular we've given Emma Hayes as much credit as she deserves either because we're used to Chelsea just getting on and doing it like this. But actually, as you say, when you look back on it, it really is quite incredible. For Reading, though, just three wins and two draws all season, leaving them with just 11 points. It was a sorry end for a side who've consistently punched above their weight in the WSL, Molly. It was, and I just... It's just hard not to feel for Kelly Chambers, really. I think as we stood there and, of course, you know, Chelsea did nothing wrong. They were celebrating the winning the WSL, amazing achievement. And you just sort of watched Kelly Chambers from the other side of the ground, kind of watching it all. And you just you just felt bad for her, really. I suppose it's it, that game summed up how uneven the playing field is in this league. And, you know, there's, there's nothing you can really do to change it, not to, you know, be all depressing about it. But. Obviously, Reading are not going to have the same budget as Chelsea. And I think really, as you as you mentioned there, Reading and particularly Chambers have been outrunning this for a long time. They've punched above their weight and they've done fantastic work and had some great players at the club. But I think this, you know, when you when you look at the teams they were fighting against down there, they were fighting against Tottenham, who obviously have got a lot of things wrong, but they've got a big budget or at least have the capability to have a big budget. Leicester City have really invested in their setup. Then when you compare that to Reading, there was really no other team that was operating on that budget in those um, kind of parameters this season. So, yeah, it was was really difficult to watch, I think, for Kelly Chambers, knowing that she came out with a guard of honour and a Hayes presenter with this big bouquet of flowers. 20 years she spent at Reading. And it, it just feels so sad that if this is the end of her time, that it ends in, in relegation. 
Yeah, let's let's hear from the Reading boss, shall we? Because Kelly Chambers was incredibly emotional at the full-time whistle as the relegation was confirmed. Here's what she had to say. I think we gave a good account of ourselves today. Obviously, we we decided to try and go for it later on in the game because we were we were losing anyway. But um, yeah, look, we haven't just got rege- relegated on today's result. We've got relegated because of the season and. Um, we're just not in a position right now as a club to compete with everybody else. Um, we're not. Um, everybody else is in um, is growing. Um, investments growing, um, and unfortunately, ours isn't going that way to try and stay. Look, we've been in this league now for eight years, and we've always been the lowest budget in the league. So I'm very proud of what we've done here. Um, but yeah, today was always going to be hard. It was always going to be hard in terms of who we had to face to try and beat. Um, and always going to be hard, what, whatever the outcome was. So yeah, I think what's important now is that we take, use the time to rest, reflect um, and get ready for next season. I tell you what also has massively gone under the radar, Molly, is that she gives birth to her second child in five weeks' time. I understand she's also been planning a wedding as well. I mean, what an incredible woman. How on earth do you juggle all of that and still manage to have the smile that that we see on her face all the time? As you say, she was she was very emotional at, at the end of the final whistle when, when she spoke to us. And I think it was like she'd just given everything to Reading to try and keep them up. And now she was like... Obviously, there were questions about her future and what might come next, what comes next with Reading. And sadly, from the sounds of it, she doesn't know what comes next with Reading in terms of the financial support that they'll receive. Um, she was hoping to find that out in, in a meeting this week. Um, but look, I think I think now is the time for, for her to to take a moment for herself, right? Um, and and I know you've been there. I I, I can't speak from experience as, as somebody that's that's had a child, but I know, you know, that there's really finding that balance in in your work and then taking that time for yourself. And I think, yeah, she's she's really deserved that time right now. We wish everybody at Reading the very, very best. Uh, so relegation and title race sorted. Next, we're going to look at what else happened on the final day of the WSL season and speak to Leicester boss Willie Kirk. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Ruthers, Times football writer Molly Hudson is alongside me. Uh, So, Manchester United knew they'd secured Champions League football in at least second place. They did their job on the final day of the season, a 1-0 victory over Liverpool thanks to Lucia Garcia. But with Chelsea's win, they couldn't progress any further. Let's hear from their boss, Mark Skinner. It's an amazing season. The players, the staff, the club have grown so much. Look, it was never in our hands, but it was in our hands to control this game, and we did that. So, once again, I think we've broken the clean sheet record for the league. So, that just shows another growth. There's so many metrics here that you can measure, actually. And then you look at how the, we've grown on the field as our, our, our kind of mentality's matured. And, like, it's just, we're scary. And, and that's the reality that, for me, is although we haven't done it today, it's only going to make it even more hungry for next season. He is supremely confident that they will challenge all the way, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And and I understand why he's saying that. You know, you you see the progression they've made this season. Obviously, a big club like Manchester United, they're going to want to really build on that. But I think the, the big thing for next season that I think a lot of people are, are kind of forgetting is 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 Manchester City, obviously they're not going to have Champions League this coming season, but they've been used to having it. Arsenal, Chelsea, they're used to having that balance and having just so many more games. And if you listen to any manager that's in that situation, it it has an impact on so many things. It has an impact on how big a squad you need, the quality of players you need. But then the moment you have a bigger squad with better players, it becomes more difficult to balance those demands and, you know, the wants of the players to, to start those matches, it, it, it's very hard to suddenly bring a quality player to the club and say, well, you know, you might not be able to play in the league or you can play in the Champions League or vice versa. So it gives you a real different headache as a manager. And obviously, for Mark Skinner in particular, it was something that, that Birmingham City didn't really have or didn't have it to this level. So I think it will be a real challenge for, for Skinner and for United to see how they balance that. And I think... 
you know, Emma Hayes always says, if you're the team without Champions League football, you have the advantage in the league going into that next season. So I think it will be a real battle for United to try and balance both of those kind of forces. Yeah, Arsenal secured Champions League football on goal difference despite losing 2-0 to Aston Villa, who've shown this season they're ready to break into the top three. Goals from Rachel Daly and Alicia Lehman either side of half-time. We will be discussing Rachel Daly and Carla Ward more after the break. But I think Jonas Eideval is going to be quite pleased to get this season out of the way in terms of, of injuries and start building and looking for next season. I think they'll they'll be glad to get some players fit. I think I saw saw a few pictures and it felt like there was almost as many people watching on the sidelines in, in various stages of ACL recovery than there were on the pitch. Um so look, it's 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 been a difficult season for Arsenal. I think it is it is really it's hard to say this is a team that have big expectations and hopes of winning the title, but when you consider how much they've gone through this season, I think it is a real credit to them that they have managed to get Champions League. It, it, it went out with a bit of a whimper, but they got there. Um, and I, I think we must mention the other news of, of this week. Hafaeli leaving seems a real blow for them. Um, a really well-liked player. Sounds very much as though it was more, it wasn't particularly Arsenal leaving that she wanted to do. It was more just her, her personal life. She's getting to the end of her career now, probably doesn't want to spend a great deal of time in St Albans so i think it was it's it's been quite a transition season in that in that respect and look they're going to have a big they need a big transfer window we've talked on this show they haven't got those decisions right and when you look at that upcoming season and where their aims will be they need to have a solid window to really kind of plug those gaps and make sure that if god forbid they end up with more injuries they're kind of better capable of handling that. Don't say that to Shabana Hearn. St Albans is very, very nice, you know. <laughs> You're exactly right. And I actually really loved um, Leah Williamson's post about her centre-back partner um, saying that she wished she'd have had more time playing with her and uh, that, you know, they, they they made a formidable partnership, didn't they? For, for sure. So the great escape was executed to perfection by Leicester. Who'd have thought that after starting the year on zero points? They didn't need to win on Saturday, but young Ava Baker's goal meant they ended the season on a high. Delighted to say that Leicester boss Willie Kirk joins us now. How are you doing, Willie? Yeah, I'm very good for you. Yeah, really well, thank you. I mean, what a roller coaster five, six months for you. Um, longer than that, actually. You took over at the beginning of November. Just tell it how tell us how you did it, because when you came on at the start of April, you said you were really confident of staying up. But but how did you manage it? Yeah, I think there was the staff and the players were fantastic in terms of an open-mindedness to change because we changed lots of little bits. I don't, I don't think there was anything massive, but there was lots of little things that we felt could have been done in a different way and, and a little bit better. And yeah, I think it was just about, about continuing to be consistent with our messages, be consistent with what we were doing on the training pitch. And I think that slowly built belief. And there was, we, got, we were a little bit fortunate. I remember the Liverpool game being called off really late. And I said at the time that that could be the turning point in the season because we were hanging by a thread in terms of players coming into that game. And then obviously when the game, when the game did get rearranged, we had January signings, we had a few players back from injury and we won it 1-0. And I think that was a real massive moment. And then I suppose the only doubt that I ever had was after the Tottenham game because of the players' response. They were absolutely devastated that they lost. And that was probably, that was probably had a little bit of doubt if I could pick the players up after that. Uh, because, yeah, it felt as if that game had relegated us, actually, which was a little bit strange. But I think the players were so confident going into it that when we did lose uh, to that Beth England wonder goal, it was a real a real blow to them. But they responded and showed a lot of resilience. Yeah, they really did. And I can see the smile on your on your face. And we didn't see that when we spoke to you before. You you looked quite quite stressed out. But how big an achievement is is this for you? It's, it's my biggest one to date, I think, just because of the enormity of the task and the fact that it had never been done before. Like, taking Everton to Wembley was, was massive, but, you know, they'd beat the cup finals before and getting Bristol promoted was, was great, but, again, it had been done before by people. So, yeah, there's, a lot of, there's, there's been a lot of good achievements, but I think this one, just the enormity of it is probably topped, topped everything so far. 
how much, um, if at all, we, will you be affected by what's happening with the men's team and their relegation from, from the Premier League? Or are you pretty, pretty secure from that? Yeah, nothing at all. Uh, there was no chance of it being affected if we went down, because how could you justify, you know, budget increases when we were in the championship? So uh, we we're in a really good position. The King Power Group and and the club itself have been fantastic with us in terms of the support and just the act, well, the fact that we've got our own training ground. We play every single WSL game at King Power Stadium. You know, there's a book there for everybody to see. So the the summer plans are really exciting and. Uh, yeah, we can we can press press the button on a few of them now rather than waiting and waiting and waiting. Hi, Willie. Did it did it kind of you mentioned the support of the men's team there, and and I know we, we've been down and done some bits with the club, and it seems like it's it's a pretty good setup there. It, in some ways, does that did that put a little bit more pressure on it? That kind of things things were almost in place, and I know you initially came to the club in a in a role that wasn't being the manager, so you you must have kind of seen that going into it. Yeah, like I said at the start of the season in my previous role that we have no excuse for not achieving because we've got everything. The club are giving us everything. You know, as I said, our own training ground, an incredible match venue, a good a good budget, not certainly not the biggest budget in the league by any stretch of the imagination, but a competitive one. And we, we had no excuses. And that did add pressure because... And I did pressure on the because what I always said was if we get through this season, the future's really bright. And I think there's only one direction clubs going to travel over the next two or three years, certainly until we get anywhere near our potential. And uh, and and we've given ourselves that opportunity now, so it's exciting. Yeah, really exciting. I can't wait to see who you're going to sign over over the summer. It, it feels as if the league has got more competitive overall this season. We saw the title race go down to the wire, the Champions League as well. What is it about the WSL this season? More eyes on it as well. That that feels like it's gone to a new level. I think I think obviously England win the Euros helped, and and England hosting the Euros obviously helped, and it's just it's just been continually growing. You know, I think you noticed the big difference. I certainly noticed in my in my last season at Everton. You noticed the big jump when Sky Sports came in, and and brought brought a lot of, a lot of revenue, a lot of TV revenue. I think everybody wants to be in England. You know, if you look at some of the signs that are made across every single team. You know, we're sitting at the bottom of the league yet. We're signing people like Ruby Mace, Janina Leitzig, Courtney Nevin in the January window. You know, Tottenham would spend the money they did in Beth England and, and you know, they probably didn't have the season they wanted. So everybody is being backed by their clubs and, and everybody's recruitment is a lot smarter. It's a lot more wide-reaching. And, and the quality of the league is, yeah, it's, it's a fantastic place to be and I can only see it continuing that way. Where one team survives and and celebrates, obviously another team commiserates. And you know you you've been part of the WSL for a number of years, and you must know Kelly Chambers very well. But for what her and Reading are going through, it must be absolutely devastating. Yeah, it's tough. It happened to me at Bristol when I came in before the seasons changed back to traditional winter seasons. You know, I came in the May. It, it was about five games into the season. There was only a 14-game season at the time and, and I couldn't keep them up and we went down and it, it, was, it was as much as we never wanted relegated it turned into a really positive thing for us because we completely refreshed uh, it, gave the, it gave the club a little push in a certain direction and, and to be fair the, the club embraced it at the time it was obviously Bristol Academy at the time they became Bristol City and, and the men had a bigger input and so yeah it's, it's unfortunate but Depend on on how the club approach it, it's a chance to reset and, and grow again. And, and bizarrely, but the year I got relegated was the year that Reading came up, and and they've been a fantastic addition to the WSL since. Uh, you know, they've had some some great seasons, and they were seen at one point as the club that could pro- probably break into that top three uh, before my United came in. And yeah, I think Kelly, our staff, our players have, have been a real credit to to the WSL and to themselves and yeah unfortunately somebody has to finish bottom of the league and, and that, that's why that's why I wanted us to win on Saturday because I wanted people to talk about Leicester achieving rather than Reading feeling and uh, I think that's probably that headline would have been harsh on Reading and, and probably harsh on us in terms of what we've done yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the best way it, it, it could have happened. I hope you enjoyed the celebrations. Any 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 goss from there? What did what did you do? Uh, we just went out in Leicester when we got back. 
Uh, as as usual, the, the the doping control was at the game, so we never got away from Brighton until yeah, I don't know what time it was, but there was a few people getting a little bit frustrated waiting on uh, Sophie and Yanina to do what they had to do. And uh, but yeah, we got back to Brighton. We went out as a as a big group, and then and then we just went our separate ways. The players and the staff went our separate ways, and and everybody enjoyed it. A few years went to the game yesterday. You know, it was a shame that wasn't a more positive outcome, but. Yeah, it's just it's just been a really good period, and I think uh, there's been a real togetherness at the club, and it was it was actually quite sad breaking up because we're in for a couple of days this week, but then it's yeah everybody has a has a holiday, and I don't think anybody really wanted the season to end. Uh, as much as it was a relief to get it over, I think we'd have been quite happy to play for another month. Oh, I'll remind you of that when the new season starts that it all gets stressful all over again. Uh, Willie, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well done again. An enormous, enormous achievement. And uh, I look forward to hearing who you're going to be signing over the summer. Tell us the goss nice and early. Wonderful stuff. Congratulations to Willie Kirk and to Leicester. We will see you in the WSL next season. Right, next we'll wrap up the finals day action. Look back on who's impressed us most this season and who's won some awards. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Ruthers, and Times football writer Molly Hudson. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app. So just go ahead and download it today. Uh, right, Manchester City's 3-2 win over Everton was not enough to catch up Arsenal's superior goal difference and get Champions League football. Two goals from Bunny Shaw and one from Lauren Hemp gave them a 3-0 lead before Everton pegged them back via Lucy Hope and Leonie Meyer. Uh, what effect is not having Champions League football going to have on Manchester City, Molly? We've already seen Hayley Rasso leave for Real Madrid. Weirdly, I think it could be... What they need, I think, when when you look at the team, I think it was 2016 that they won the title. And since then, they had five second-place finishes. Last season, they finished third. This season, fourth. It's like they've been on this slow slide and they needed something to reset them. And we wondered if it might be Gav Taylor leaving. Now, he he's not. He's going to stay for another year. So I think this maybe gives them a chance to have a proper pre-season to, to really build on the connections at the club with the young players they brought in this season because we know there's a huge, huge amount of turnover in the summer. They lost a lot of key players and um, uh, that really had a knock-on impact in the start of their season, which realistically is where they where they lost this Champions League football, where they lost uh, hope of the title, really. So I think if they can stop any more players leaving, I think it will be a big summer for them. It has the potential to be a season that gets them back in in the right um, kind of momentum, I guess. 
And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, they haven't got Champions League, which means they'll have less games, which puts them at a positive. I think it, it it's interesting when you look at player like Ellie Roebuck, who, who you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, right? She, she's probably the best English goalkeeper in the game um, under Phil Neville, sort of back end of that era, start of um, Serena Wiegmann's era. Then she got injured. Obviously, we've seen what's happened. Mary Earp's been absolutely brilliant, incredible, deserved everything that's happened to her. But I think like Roebuck herself has, has maybe not hit the heights that we thought she might. And I, I wonder how much of that is due to that environment at club she hasn't really had a, a goalkeeper pushing her on because they've had so many injury problems so I think like players like that on an individual basis you want to see them improving when they're at a club like Manchester City and I'm not sure that has happened recently so I think it's another big year for them in terms of where they really want to be going forward because we keep saying it on this show the sand shifts so quickly to what you how good you need to be to stay there you can't rest on your laurels because you're just going to get overtaken by the likes of Aston Villa mm. West Ham 2 Tottenham 2 Paul Koncheski's last game in charge of West Ham finished 2 all against Tottenham further announcements on his replacement will be made in due course according to the club what do you make of his departure Molly it it was it was expected because they've only had one league win this year um, I think it was clear that with the array of talent they've got at that club, it's it's quite a lot of muddled thinking. There's some quality players there, but there's been a few managers and different ideas and it's all kind of came into this big head that hasn't really worked. Um, I think Koncheski's departure is interesting because it, he'd obviously only had one season there. He signed a two-year deal, but he's actually left. Um, so, you know, in simple terms, won't get a payoff because the club haven't actually sacked him, which is interesting. I think they are a club that could really be in danger next season if they don't sort of halt this slide. I think that next managerial appointment for them is going to be really important because we look at the teams that are now in the division and we look at who's coming up. We've got Bristol who have really got their setup right, having had that time in the championship. So I think they could be really in trouble next season if if they don't have a big summer. Yeah, um, easy to forget as well that they made the Conti Cup semi-finals this year. It's been a really weird season for them. Kate Longhurst retiring as well, stalwart of, of the club. They lost Jilly Flaherty earlier on in the season as well after she retired. So yeah, plenty to shift for West Ham going into the new season. Uh, Bethany England scored both of Spurs goals. England World Cup provisional squad announcement is on Wednesday, Molly. I feel like we're on repeat here, but uh, she's got to be in it, surely. 12 goals in 12 matches since joining in January. It it seems crazy when you hear those stats, you see how she's performed, you speak to people that know Beth England and say what a good person she is in and around a squad. She's done a lot off the pitch for that Tottenham dressing room to try and push everyone forward and give everything she possibly could to keep them up. To then be sat here and saying she's not a certainty for the squad. But I think when you see Serena Wiegmann, she's 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 very stubborn. Um, and she didn't select England in her last squad. And I think it will be very interesting to see if she does change. She almost admits that she made an error because we 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 were talking on the show that we would have had her in the last squad and she didn't call her up. And then obviously we know how that turned out with the, with the difficult camp um, and losing to Australia. So, yeah, you're right. We sound like a broken record. I would take her to Australia. I'm sure you would take her to Australia, but... You know, the listeners who may be hearing this after Wednesday will be saying we look a bit silly if she doesn't take her. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, season awards. So far, we know Sam Kerr was named Football Writers Association Women's Player of the Year. And it was announced the other day that Rachel Daly has won the Barclays WSL Player of the Season award. She also secured the golden boot after scoring two goals on Saturday, taking her tally up to 22 goals in 22 games in the league. 30 overall for the season. I mean, that is incredible. Uh, she matches Viviana Miedemar's record tally from the 2018-19 season. I voted for her. I'm happy to put my hand up and say that on record. For you, Molly, is she the deserved player of the season? I voted for her too. So there we go. Um, I think she I think she is. Um, she is. She's deserving. And what I can't get my head around is that she played left back at the European Championships last summer and we won and she played left back and now she's 
the most ridiculous goal every game striker. And that I can't quite get my head around that as a concept. And look, again, we'll we'll see what what kind of role she has. I think we can safely say she'll be in the squad. Um uh we'll see what role she has this summer. I think that's one of Beegman's certainly headaches, I suppose. I don't I, I don't suspect she even she thought she would might have such a good season that she has. Um but yeah, I just think it's a real credit to her to come back to the English league. You've got to remember that too. You know, she's relatively new to the league. She's had to adapt and she's she's just it's just been seamless. And I think it is also a credit to the work that Aston Villa have done this season as a whole. But when you take Rachel Daly's goals out of that team, they're nowhere near where they are. So I think it's it's just a real credit to her as a person. And look, it's 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 genuinely astonishing that that somebody who is a feasibly world class left back, who arguably we don't have a left back better than in our squad has won the golden boot and equals, I think, equaled Vivian Miedema's, like highest ever goal tally. It's just crazy. 2018-19. I just said it. You don't listen to my stats. I'm piling stats at you, Marlon. You're not listening to them. Uh, we don't know who's one manager of the season yet. It's a tight call, I think. We're part of the um, voting panel, Molly, aren't we? And uh, it, it looks like it might be between Mark Skinner and Carla Ward. And as I mentioned earlier on, I think the only reason people haven't voted for Emma Hayes is that she's done it so many times before that even with everything going on behind the scenes for her, it was a remarkable season. But what Skinner and Ward have achieved maybe in terms of breaking into you know the top half of the table in terms of Aston Villa breaking into the Champions League spots in terms of Manchester United is maybe a bit different. Yeah, and you're right. I think it's I think it's one of those where people will have very different opinions and obviously uh, how much of teams you've watched this season and things all play into this. So I think for me personally I voted for Mark Skinner just because I think at the start of the season I was probably one of the people that thought Manchester United hadn't gone out in the transfer window and put enough investment into that team to make the jump that they have this season. And that has to be credit to his management to some extent that they have got there. They have managed to finish second in the league. So yeah, I voted for him, but I also think Carla Ward would be absolutely deserving for what she's done at Aston Villa. So I think it's, it's very impressive kind of seeing the, the development in clubs, as you mentioned this season, that that's what's really made this season, probably the most interesting, the most competitive, that there has been genuine development there. Yeah, if um, uh, as we're on air, we don't know who the manager of the of the season is. We may know by midweek. Same with the England England team. Um, uh, I want to make a big shout out as well to our friends, girls on the ball, who won an award at the inaugural Women's Football Awards as well. They do some amazing work in, in the women's game. So well done to them as well. Um, who's your unsung hero of the season, Molly? Who stood out but doesn't necessarily get all the plaudits? Now, I know this is a bit of a cop-out because she has only been here since January, but Janina Leipzig for Leicester City. We, we, we mentioned her. Uh, earlier on with Willie um, about how fantastic she's been. And I just think to have a player that's come from from Bayern Munich on loan, again, new to league, a young player, you're going into a really difficult environment. As a goalkeeper, you know you're going to have a lot to do when you're playing for a team that that went into this year with zero points. And I think you, you look at her consistency, really, and that's difficult for a young player to to come into a new league and and be pretty solid throughout. And I really think that that's what she's done. And uh, and I understand, I think Leicester City are pretty keen to keep hold of her. I think there's, I think uh, Emma Sanders um, from the BBC, friend of the show, uh, said that Manchester United also might be interested in her. So I think it, it's a real credit to her that she's come into the league. I personally didn't know much about her and I think a lot of people won't have done. And the way she has played and the role she's had in Leicester survival means that it's probably not the last time we're going to hear about her in the Women's Super League. Um, but mm, I guess my more mainstream one would be Kenza Darley for Aston Villa. I think we've talked a lot about Rachel Daly. Jordan Nobbs, even we've talked about, has done well there. But Kenza Darley's been, again, very consistent in a team that have really surprised people. 
Yeah, Guru Wrighton for me for Chelsea has been absolutely outstanding as well. Uh, let's wrap up some of the other club's seasons briefly. Brighton parted ways with two managers and now have Melissa Phillips in charge, but five experienced players are leaving in the club in the summer. Captain Megan Connolly, goalkeeper Megan Walsh, Victoria Williams, Kayleigh Green and Danielle Carter. What are they going to need to do in the summer, Molly? I think it's a little bit like Leicester in a sense of Brighton have, have got the right things sorted at the club uh, I don't know if you've had the, the pleasure of going to their training ground but it's absolutely incredible one of the best facilities in the league for the women's team and they've got everything right behind the scenes but I think what they need to do now is is get it right on the pitch that's the bit that they've struggled with ironically given what we see Brighton men doing um, and and how well they've they've dealt with all of those appointments so I think it's going to be, a, again, we've said this a lot, this show, another big summer, a, a one that can really define where they go um, in the future. And I think they have improved, but they they have not done as well as we would have expected them to do. Yeah, I agree. Liverpool have actually had a very good season, seventh. They beat Chelsea and Manchester City as well. Really impressed with what um, Matt Beard and Liverpool have done. They've quietly just gone about their business, haven't they, and had a had a really good season. Same with Everton, actually. We don't really talk about Everton very much because, you know, they finished sixth. They were on 30 points. So, you know, a good 17 points behind Arsenal in the Champions League places, but far enough from the relegation battle that actually they've kind of gone a bit under the radar under under Brian Sorensen. I suppose the worry for them this season is that a lot of the players that they had were on loan. I think, and forgive me for clubbing both of the Merseyside teams together, but I think it's been an important season for them because we know historically Merseyside has been a real powerhouse of women's football. And then it it really went in reverse almost, didn't it? You know, we, we saw Liverpool in the Championship, we saw Everton fighting relegation, and it feels as though now both of those clubs have got the right foundations back in place to try and compete. And I think... When you look at a division that's that's hopefully going to bridge the gap between the top four, we've, we've seen Aston Villa do that this season. Both Liverpool and Everton really have the capability to do that if they can get things right. And I think this season has put the building blocks in place for them to be able to do that going forward. And, you know, that's that's credit to Matt Beard and to Brian Sorensen. Yep, really is. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. Molly Hudson is with me. Coming up, we're going to speak to Baroness Sue Campbell, the FA's Director of Women's Football, about this season and beyond. Women's Football Weekly. That is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker Others, and Times football writer Molly Hudson. So, we have wrapped up the season so far, and earlier in the week, TalkSport's Bradley Hayden sat down with the FA's Director of Women's Football, Sue Campbell, to discuss how the season's gone and the plans for the future. The fans are growing in, in right through the women's game. I mean, even at Tier 3 in the Women's National League, we've seen over 20,000 supporting Newcastle for example. Um, so I think the Euro bounce was really important. I think people were really invigorated by the women's success and by, by the atmosphere and, and the uh, family-friendly nature of the, of the spectators. Um, I think people thought it was a great experience. And we've seen that. We, you know, we had a record crowd at the Women's FA Cup final. We, we filled Wembley for a couple of times for, for matches. Um, I think... The, the Super League, uh, particularly, um, are now starting to put more games into main stadia. I think next year, Arsenal are going to put five in the Emirates, for example. I think that's really important. And, and we begin, we're almost beginning to outgrow those small grounds, but we're not quite big enough yet to fill the big ones. So we've got to all work much harder on marketing and on understanding that fan base. You know, a lot of our fans are now under 35. They're a different generation. They're not the traditional people that go to men's football. Uh, And we've a lot to learn within the game about how we market to them, how we reach them, and how when they come along to a game, what their expectation is of that experience. So I think the clubs and ourselves at the FA, we're all working together to have a much better understanding and a more in-depth understanding of the fan base, um, how we market to them and hopefully continue to grow the numbers. 
And I think on social media, we've gone over, we're now the most watched domestic, most followed domestic league in the world with over 2 million people following us. And again, that is that is absolutely terrific. So on every front, we are growing eyes on the game, followers of the game and fans of the game. You were mentioning there about the amount of times Arsenal are going to play at the Emirates next season. Obviously, we've seen Manchester United play at Old Trafford, Man City play at the Etihad, Chelsea have played at Stamford Bridge, Aston Villa played at Villa Park, Spurs at the weekend tried doing the, the men's and the women's games on, on the same day at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. How far away do you think we're seeing that the games in the WSL are going to be played in, in main stadia or on, on a regular basis now? I think we're a little way off that. I think we're getting much closer. And and I think the you know, the success that Arsenal have had, um, you know, I think they had the best over 47,000 at the uh, London Derby they had with Tottenham early on. They filled the stadium for the Wolfsburg game. Uh, they're showing that you can get a different audience and you can communicate and get them into the ground. Um, I, I think we've still got a lot of, you know, as you go down the league with some big challenges there uh, around the numbers coming to games. And and the problem is, if you put 5,000 people in a big stadium, it can sometimes feel pretty empty. And and it, and for the broadcast and even for the players, it doesn't generate that atmosphere when you've got, you know, 5,000 packed into a small ground, making a noise, uh, vibrant. So... We're just in that transition between the small grounds are too small and the big grounds are too big. But our job, and that's the club's job and the FA's job, is to grow the fan base so we can get 10, 15, 20,000 in the stadium um, and, and make it a, a really vibrant and exciting atmosphere. So that's the challenge and that's where we're going to get to over the next year or two, I hope. Baroness Sue Campbell there speaking to Talk Sports Bradley Hayden. And, and Molly, there's been progress off the pitch as well as on it this season. Yeah, I think we, we, we talked on this show and we've always wondered what an England major tournament would win, how that would actually translate into the domestic league. And I have to say the FA get a lot of criticism for, for things they've done wrong in the past. But I think this season has really been prepared for that bounce I think you see you have to give a shout out to Arsenal for the work that they've done with the Emirates Stadium games and and really like marketing the Lionesses and saying if you come here you can see Leah Williamson and Beth Mead you can watch them play for cheap pretty much you you can come you can see them be a great day out but also the football is going to be a very very high level and I think that's probably what We've seen change this season that fans have really brought into the domestic league in a way that they haven't before. I, I remember speaking to um, to somebody at Man City who was telling me that in the past they used to um, heavily sign England players because they knew that would give them a bounce after a major tournament. But it never really prolonged into the rest of the season. And I think this is the first time and it's the time we'll look back as a real turning point where the league has had consistency. because. Yes, of course, there's been games in big stadiums that have had really good attendances that we've highlighted. But actually, if you look at the league wide, it's really improved in terms of week week in, week out in the less glamorous, glamorous stadiums, in the Bourne Woods, the Kings Meadows. The Lee, Lee Sports Village has, has had, a, I think it was like 7,500 there the other day. So I think that's really the mark of this season and how we'll look back on it aside from what's happened on the pitch it's it's been a year of real growth and look I have to give a huge huge shout out to Kelly Simmons who is leaving at the end of this season I think it's quite rare for somebody at the FA to be so widely recognized for the positive work she's done in the campaign I think you listen to people speak about her and she's always had a heart in the right place. She's always tried to push this league forward. And, you know, it's a real credit to her that she leaves with, with in my opinion, this league being the best in the world, but also uh, of having made really big strides commercially and, you know, looking forward to, you know, in a couple of seasons, having a new co and in it not being in the FA's hands. I think, I think her work is, 
it's somebody that's gone under the radar unnoticed somebody people might not know about that's probably been as integral as anyone in the growth of this league. Yeah, big shout out to Kelly Simmons, another friend of the show. We have many here on Women's Football Weekly, don't we, Molly? Um, And Kelly certainly has been one, and I'm really excited to see what she can do with her future going forward as well. And I think we've had a pretty good year. It's been a pretty good season, hasn't it? Thank you for having me. It's been it's been a lot of fun. A friend of the show. I am now officially a friend of the show. You are more than just a friend to the show, Molly. You are the show for sure. It's been a real, real pleasure. Uh, this is our last um, Women's Football Weekly of the season. A big, big thank you to all of you, as always, for listening. We will be back with a bit of news about what we're going to be bringing you over the Women's World Cup. So stay tuned for that. But me and Molly are going to have a little bit of a well-earned break and I hope you don't mind us doing that I think Molly Hudson needs to sleep a little bit Uh, but thank you for everything and every contribution that you make for the show it's massively appreciated thank you to Molly Hudson Willie Kirk Baroness Sue Campbell Bradley Hayden Charlotte Richardson producer Will on his final show what a legend and of course as always all of you for listening don't forget if you do miss any of the shows live you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or you can listen back throughout the week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.